evening, good morrow, and good morning. All of my incredibly stunning, my sexy darlings who've decided oh, to tune into this wonderful space. Look at who we got in the smoke lounge. Don't worry about the, the vapors rising. The conversation's going in the same direction. How are you doing tonight, my brother? My man, I am doing good, brother. I, uh, I, I'm doing really, really well, actually. I've I've started a series on my other account, on my other page, and it's directed directly towards uh, huge men, men that look like me. And it's actually trying to bring us back into a focal point of accountability and responsibility to the culture so that we can shine and we can begin to enjoy uh, that bit of the Black Renaissance that we we once uh, we enjoyed as a culture during this roughly 100 years ago with the, roar, the roaring 20s of the past inside the culture, right? So it is, I'm, I'm doing a series, I'm excited about it. And it, again, it's a bit of Socratic questioning uh, to, to men that look like me and mir we mirror each other almost directly. So I'm doing well, bro. I know that was a lot to say, but yeah. No, I, 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 I got to know what my blueberries got going on. Yeah. Right? Where's the syrup spread on the pancakes as it is? So with this deliberate act towards your community, but likewise for those who've been in, in your place, who are where you are right now, what motivates you to get into this, to be in this, to, to take on this charge? Because that's not an easy one. Uh, the, the thing that's motivated me is I've, I've talked to other, a lot of other people, but at the end of the day, it's my it's my kids and wanting to be a better father and putting that 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 movement out there, putting my words out there and then making myself holding myself accountable to those words that I say. Right. Because they can come back. My kids listen to the stuff that I put out and it'll come back and they ask me questions and they ask me, hey, well, they remind me, they'll simply say, hey, dad, I think you failed at doing this. So if this is what you said you do or you ask other people to do or be, why aren't you doing it right now? And I think it's important to hold ourselves to to that childlike accountability as well as that curiosity. And I think within the culture, we've moved away from the accountability and responsibility aspect. And we've simply a lot of us have simply taken on childlike rewards that we really haven't earned, per se. So. I'm going to slap the shit out that mute button. I swear on all things. <laughs> so when we look at this kind of, I'm going to call it a de-evolution uh, de of society, but as we see this shift in focal points, you know, those who aren't aware of this series is to interview a master. And that is exactly who we're talking about, a master. When yeah. we're looking at you, as you've come to this point and you're seeing this change in society, before you became a Freemason into the point of developing afterwards, do you feel like there were any differences in what motivated you to take up these charges? Uh, yeah, and I, and I think it, it all revolves around uh, inner, inner growth, inner honesty, as well, and that, that leading to an expression of outward appreciation. And so what I mean by that is learning who I am and, and what makes me tick in my functioning and appreciating that, learning what that is on the inside helped me establish what it actually resembled on the outside. So when I, I meet another person, I meet another brother, uh, regardless of the gender, regardless of their opinions, their views, I can easily directly look at them and say in their eyes, I can see my mirror reflection right past these surface level things and realize and recognize and appreciate the deity that's inside of them. Right. And I think a lot of our craft uh, revolves around appreciating that thing within each other that we simply surmise to being brothers. We call each other brothers. 
for a reason. We've got a kindred spirit that ties us and links us uh, that has all progressively moved us towards this thing that we call Freemasonry for a reason. And generally speaking, a lot of us are free thinkers and that's how we've progressed to get there. Okay, so here's just an off the wall kind of esoteric question. When you look about, because you said something that was just kind of like, a, it keyed off the, the, the rounded walls of my brain. Uh, you said, you know, we're all kind of in possession, so to speak, of a kindred spirit. In magical traditional theology, a witch receives a familiar or a kin or effectively a kindred spirit, whereby, or even in high magic, right, this is communion with your holy guardian age, and there's always an intercessor, there's someone, something, some force who is the, the mediator between you as the individual and some divine knowledge, experience, or revelation. And so it's really interesting to me the way that you actually described the, that kindred spirit to be, you know, your fellow brother. And then likewise, look at that to be the mirror. This is really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. There are, of course, those unseen forces uh, that can be described in science, you know, those atoms, protons, neurons, blurons, quarks, so on and so forth, that in a certain fashion, when configured, they attract or repel each other. And that's often expressed through uh, how we meet and how we interact. That frequency also is made up of nothing more than energy oh, as well. Oh, yeah. Shit. Yeah. That's not that's not void of any universal law whatsoever. So that's something that attracts us. That kindred spirit, that thing that that pulls us closer together, that bonding tie that we have and that we found within each other. Right. You have a specific tie, a level of, of comfortability that you have with the brothers of your your home lodge that you don't necessarily experience with everybody else around us in Freemasonry, but you still have a very strong tie. Facts. Right. So it's like, that's okay. So what's interesting with that is, right. You talk about relationships between subatomic particles, right. Yeah. And how effectively those relationships are determined by the kind of frequency you're running. Your varying frequencies are going to groove and, and you know, move the way that they move changes. They do. And so how, how have you and your experience within the craft gone through the process of what I, what I would describe as finding the worthy and the well-qualified brothers, those who vibrate at a frequency that is not just harmonious to you, but expeditiously advantageous to benefit by being in proximity to versus those who maybe, you know, you're vibrating a little too different and you need to use them as an oppositional force to move away from. So I, I think one of the ways that I've been able to recognize that as I've come in contact with it multiple times and it, it even changes shape and form, right? Depending on where I am uh, in my in my progressive science of, of internal study and self-knowledge, that gnosis within and of myself, right? So this is this, this is one of the things that's really hard to verbalize, uh, unfortunately. But it's a truth that I, I hold very near and dear. And that's simply the only way that I can describe it, right? Is uh, as a musician. Uh, you hear different parts of a song, right? Let's say we have a guitar, a lead guitar, bass guitar, and a drum, a uh, small trap set playing. And it's just in a, an easy type of genre of music. Let's say something like a Nora Jones, right? And you hear that lead guitarist hit the wrong string. And when that wrong string is hit, everything is thrown off surrounding it. So it isolates itself and it moves itself away from the harmony of the rest of the music. And I think that's, so taking that analogy and, and, and personifying it a little bit, uh, the thing that begins to attract me is not so much what's said outwardly, 
It's simply an understanding and expression or musical movement to where all the, everybody's playing in, in key. Everybody's time signature is the same. Or your time signature, that key that you're singing on or that, that you're living with that day is the same as another brother's that you see. And that music is a harmonious movement, right? When, you, when you're cultivating each other. Now, when you begin to move past or move off of that, that level, doesn't mean that you're not still brothers anymore. It simply means that you might be playing a bit of a different song for a little while, but you are still directly connected to each other because at the end of the day, you're still making music. And as long as you're making that music, you can tune something or you can look at the music, you can feel the music and you can get back in key and become part of the band again. Okay, so when we use this analogy of the orchestra, right, you know you find that harmony because you see and you can hear and feel that the song, you know, in, in harmony. How do you, who, to whom does the responsibility of harmony lie within when you look at the, this attained state, right? Or is, is this the conductor, you know, directing everything? Is this the, the composer who wrote the music to be perfectly orated? How does that, how does that, how do we continue that? That where is we as the audience, can, you know, where do we throw our roses? That that is that is a wonderful, wonderful question, and this is this is a several tiered answer, right? Because not only are you a part of the band that's playing, not only are you a part, a member of that band, but you're also uh, a conductor in a sense. Every member in, the, in a band, right? When, have you ever been in a band before? I have, um, so I've been in a choir and a part of musical compositions of sorts. So Perfect. I'm familiar of the way that they break them out. Perfect. So as, as a member of that, of that course, right? Uh, in a sense, everyone's an individual conductor. Now you really don't need a conductor to stand in front to actually give everybody their parts and pieces. They, you can do that yourself when you're, when you're reading sheet music because everybody's music has specific pauses and it's written in uh, musical terms of what you're supposed to do when you're supposed to do it. In theory, if everybody's doing what they're doing, it should come out the same, irrespective of the dude with the sticks and no instrument. Absolutely. So in a sense, you're a conductor as well, but you're also an, a part of the audience, right? Because you're not singing all the other parts. You're you're enjoying your, your chorus mates as they sing their parts and you're taking a breath and you're waiting to come back in, to jump back in and to be a part of that music to be a part of that song. So we all give our roses to each other, baby. And there's never any, you can't take more than what you can give because it's a direct reflection of the whole masterpiece that's moving. And if you try to take more than what you give, you're hitting your crescendos at the wrong part. The day crescendos are wrong. The staccatos are in the wrong section of the music. You're going to that coda at the wrong time. Your time signature's off. We're playing in full four. You're playing in cut time for at the wrong moment. You can never give more than what you can take because it will not balance out. Again, that goes back to an earlier topic that we had a while ago. That point within a circle, you move away, you 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 move off of it, and you're you're totally off. So that's the best way I can explain that. Oh, that was a sexy answer. I like that. Those who are listening, write that shit down. <laughs> uh, so okay, so here's the thing that I I really just you know I get us I get Ash Lahad when it comes to discussion about the craft and and how. It individually de delivers a person through a series of, you know, uh, in, in intimate individual questioning where you have to become 
face to face with some oftentimes ugly and rough shit. So as you've come into the craft, what are some of the things that you've had to improve or you know divest of yourself to continue forward in your progressive movement within not the line, but within your understanding of the craft? Can you hear me? I don't know where. I don't know. I don't know where. No, it, it was me. I'm out in the sticks. I don't remember. I like. I, you remember me telling you a while ago. I'm out in the sticks. So every now and again, my my reception will drop. About ten, seven to ten seconds, it'll pick back up, and I'm right back on. Hey, ain't no friend. That's the best part about post, right? <laughs> right, right. So, so can you can you ask that for me again? I don't know if I caught all of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um. Oh, that's right. Sorry, a little smoking. Um. So. Where I, uh, when you started within the craft, you know, one of the things that I find most interesting, interesting, resetting. <laughs> when you start within the craft, yeah. this is a journey of individual introspection. As you started before you came within the craft, and as you've come through it, we know that there, we're, we're given some hammers, we're given some heavy shit to hit shit with. Mm-hmm. What are some of the things you have had, you have had to divest from yourself in order to progress forward within your understanding of the craft? So one of one of the things that I directly had to, well, not directly, but I learned how to move away from and understand is the difference between uh, being selfish and being self-full, right? Taking care of yourself. I had to I had to figure out how to distinguish between the two. Uh, another thing that I had to actually and honestly deal with was knowing and understanding the difference between confidence and arrogance, right? If you move, we can come back to that later. Uh, and also understanding that the craft, although it's initially for the brothers, especially for the brothers, but it's also a movement, a specific and a particular movement to treat every person that you come in contact with as a brother or a sister. And that was the hardest part because at one point, uh, I honestly thought, oh, I'm a Freemason now, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of a peculiar, like the Bible talks about, peculiar people, right? I'm separated from, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit different than, and I've got some things, I know some things other people don't know, and I'm going to play off these things and yada, 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 yeah, yada, 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 foolish, foolish, uh, intent is what it was. But as I've grown a little bit older in the craft and I'm still fairly young, I think six years at this point, but I've had to realize that that's not what masonry is for. <laughs> and that's not what it's about. Fucking facts. <laughs> yeah. So learning how to shake some of those, those, and, and it just comes with being inexperienced and, and, and joining something new and wanting to hold it close to you is that it was that new Christmas gift that I didn't want to share with everyone. So, you know, that exclusivity has an interesting, I'm, I'm going to say has an interesting role, right? Because whenever, whenever we, as people start to change, we either, we do one of two things. We either broadcast it or we protect it. We, we get really oh, yeah. silent about it. I can't tell you how many times when I pick up a new book, esoteric or whatever, and, and, I, and I would, the minute I would read one line, irrespective of if I got the caution on the other hand or the warning before it, I was like, mm-hmm. come check this shit out. Let's go. Or, and it was this immediate professor and I was excited. Or I was like, I think we remember the first time I acquired the Necronomicon. Um, like I, <laughs> I, I kept it hidden. I kept it secret. This was a book that like, I didn't want to be found with. And if I was, you know, it was just, it was a different kind of a relationship. So it's, 
very unique as far as how when you when you talk about these ind- these personal journeys of, of arrogance versus competence, right? These are things that when you are young, you don't understand, right? And age is not something that we're going to quantify in age, but in experience doing, right? Yeah. So as you experienced doing the craft, what was the most, your most memorable and uh, momentous takeaway? From all three degrees? Yeah. So let's look, let's look collectively at your, your experience, right? Because leaving the degrees as unique marks that that would set not separations but differences in you but looking at all of them as to say this was your transition your change your your through the fire to come out as a tool to now be used by a new builder i'll, I'll state it like this the buddhist have a thing that it takes ten thousand years uh for a person ten thousand lifetimes as it were for the soul to be perfected and what, what that answer, and I'm not a Buddhist, but experiencing death while alive and looking back while being present and being, having a glimpse of the future, it turned and began to become a very pinnacle part of my journey as a Mason not perfecting my soul, but being present, ever present, literally at the point of all these three different movements and appreciating them as things were happening around me. And that was just being being mindful, literally mindful. I think it was the only t- one of the only times in my life where I was literally present and nothing else mattered at that point. And I was able to finally look around, take in what was going on, take in what was happening and have a good guesstimate of what was going on. And then when I began to go back through and read uh, the third degree and the understanding of it and why I felt that way during a specific portion, that was that was a bit of a zenith for me. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm personally blown the fuck away at that, that particular answer to that for for vast many reasons right one that i won't go on my own epilogue and soapbox spiel to 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 dilate here but i'm i'm shaking right if nothing else for the connection into what is it one of what is a very i think unconscious requirement in freemasonry which is this connection to the belief in reincarnation the building and the destruction the, the 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 to, to simply constrain yourself, right? If we use moral construction, right? Is that, that's all we're talking about. Or physical, fuck it. No, we'll keep this real operative. We've got to build a building. Um, and it, it is a building of such enormous nature that we don't even yet understand how to create the geometries to support its ceiling. But we must continue the work. You know, we know that we have to give this to our children, their children's children, that, you know, generationally that this work must continue. How do we capture and contain this? How do we preserve it and push it forward, create this running record so that the work can be continued? And as the craft has evolved now in what, I, what to me, I believe is the, the, the era of remembrance. Mm. We're having brethren and sister, we were having family, the family wake up and return, yes. you know, collective bouts of consciousness, right? That represent that original tribe are waking up and remembering and unifying based off of these memories so as you come into the craft what have you remembered as you started circum 
ambulating the mighty lights that are there. Uh, what, what do I remember about which part? I kind of cut off for a second. Oh, no, you're good. So as you have spent your time within the craft coming into this space, oh. what have you remembered? You know, like, it might just, again, not as bad yeah. to try to push anything on you. So I remember quite a bit. Uh, I remember the day I walked into a clandestine lodge and I became an entered apprentice in their fashion. I remember the day I walked out of that clandestine lodge after speaking to the gentlemen of that club and telling them that I can no longer continue my journey with them. I remember the days and the weeks that went by after I petitioned uh, my current lodge and the courtship period, the waiting period that it took and the interaction between myself and another brother who was laid down as working tools. I remember the interaction that we had. I remember me just like all over again, becoming so ridiculously inquisitive about what's what's going to happen. What's different about this brand of masonry that I didn't learn before. And not just that, but, oh, this guy's the master of the lives this year. Let me Let me talk to him. Let me get his take, his view on things. Let me go talk to the older gentleman, get that just being so inquisitive from from day one, even up till now. Right. I, I got my blue book right here, as a matter of fact. And the the aim is to begin to go back. Yes. Yes. Go back and, and reread everything recommitting everything to memory, etching out a completely new pathway in my brain about the same words that I've read before and experiencing life in a different place. Also, while coming into contact with new information, new knowledge and absorbing that. And just, I remember everything. I remember uh, the first time I was at the West Gate on my, my, my initial entrance into a recognized lodge of masonry. I remember uh, dressing down, dressing back up, and not being able to see shit and just go forth. And just being like, okay, well, this is where we are, deity. I trust that this is where I can be, God. You're gonna have to lead me through this. Eyes closed, uh, mouth full of grit. Let's go do it. I, I remember everything. Okay, so let's 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 kind of build on that a little have you ever read uh read and or listened to the hidden keys of freemasonry by uh manly p hall uh i haven't i i did just a little bit i had a i got another brother out in arizona uh who had who turned me on to manly p hall a while ago and he was sending me short snippets of it so just a little bit i got into it because it's it's one of those that has it's interesting because it's not really i mean he was in a he was not a mason when he was within the craft, but he was possessed by the symbology. He was possessed by the possibility. And this is something that gets a lot of amazing. To be honest, a lot of it's really disappointing when you look at actuality versus like what's physically written that we have record in that you want to get real hard about. Right, right. Versus, you know, some of the, the deep possibility, which is represented in the infinite spirituality that those symbols within the craft teach and then give us. And so it, if I, when you read it, I'd be really curious as to your feedback because it, when you listen to that, or I, I listened to it as an audio, so it was very like captivating of my imagery. Um, it almost tells of a different kind of a craft. It tells of a different space, a different day. What is, uh, what's your particular opinion in, uh, in reincarnation? On oh, which one? Reincarnation. 
Oh, I, I say why not? Um, okay. uh, Jesus came back and in the Christian uh, quote unquote mythos or structure of, of telling stories, uh, Horace, uh, the Buddha, um, even in Samaritan, Samar yeah, Samaritan texts, you have reincarnation. So this, this is something that is a consistent thing through several different religions passed down through history, right? That hasn't left, it hasn't veered and it's taken the same, same shape, form and fashion just with a, a different name. So yes, it's a okay. thing, it's a thing. Okay, so with that, right? So we talk about remembering. There's been a really interesting thing that's, that, that's kind of kicked in with uh, some of the more extended spiritual practices. Now again, for all those viewers, right? Uh, a few things to cover, one, uh, Brother Glass was actually was actually a clandestine Mason for, for a few yeah. moments before he 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 stepped into that space. That is going to be an entire ass episode. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> we're we're yeah. going to wrap that into one whole thing because I have so many questions. I know we've talked a little bit about it before, but yes. with with your permission, let's let's. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, but, yeah. But two, as we come into this space, everything that, that, that is expressed, I am not speaking on behalf of Freemasonry, nor any lodge, nor any grand lodge, merely the, the opinions of an individual brother, as all of these episodes with a brother, merely a fraternal conversation. Would you agree? Indeed. Yeah, I, I echo that sentiment. Okay. So with that established, <laughs> uh, my spiritual practice in individual space deals heavily with, uh, the, with ancestors, uh, with, with connecting into energies that sit within the universal unconscious that we all emanate from yes, yes. and things are built. And stepping into lodges, places where some brethren are more religious, more devoted, more connected in, in a way that matters to move the soul, to transmute the course to the fine. Mm. There is, I, I, without a doubt, like these are holy sites. I'll go into a lodge and I can remember, I can pick up a tool. I can physically, like if you've held a common gavel, if you've like, I can remember very far back. Like sometimes what, what feels in my head, almost ancient days, memories that are not mine, but that are connected with these symbols and you're in these places. And so, you know, have you ever had any memories or experiences within the craft with these symbols that kind of went beyond the teachings or with beyond the experience that the traditional lodge presents to you? Absolutely. And that's why Freemasonry feels so natural to me. It's, it's not something that's lost. It's something that's helping me to essentially remember something that I've already known, that I've already felt, that I've, the, a place where I've already been, right? And my, so both of my, pa my parents are, are Christian ministers of different denominations, grew up in the church, you know, the church, so on and so forth. And when I was three, four years old, I began, my, my father was a preacher of a church out in a small town called Pacific. The church is uh, First Baptist, still there, still standing. It's actually a, a, histor a, a historical site in Pacific, Missouri. Uh, and he bought, he ended up getting the church uh, some drums. And that was about, yeah, three or four years old. I remember because he plays the bass. And I remember walking to the drums and looking at the drums and saying, I know, I know how to play those. And he's laughing at me, not really taking me seriously. And I got behind the drums and I sat down and I, at three to four years old, I was able to keep pace and keep the beat. Now I couldn't do anything fancy like I'm able to do now, but I knew how to play the drums. It wasn't anything taught. It was conscious. It was there. Absolutely. And from that point forward, 
I began to play other different in instruments. I taught myself how to play them because I just, I, that's something that's a natural thing for me. So when people have these gifts or when people have these experiences of uh, quote unquote deja vu or uh, a thing of this place feels and seems familiar, these teachings feel and seem familiar, it's because this is something that we come back with. And once we get into a specific spot, a specific frequency, a specific zone, that movement, that gift comes back. And it's like, thank you for picking me back up as we journey forward. Energy can't be destroyed nor created. I believe in it. I love that. I fucking love that. Okay, so let's get into the, you know, the practical, the physical. So individually, obviously, we're not going to, we'll leave the craft, anything having to do with craft of Freemasonry within the craft of Freemasonry for brothers to discover in their own way. Um, but outside that, looking at just the science of the self of moral evolution, what have you found are the most provincial tools for the self in order to make these kinds of journeys? You know, some people say it's DNA activation. Other people say it's shadow work. Some people, you know, it's, it's ancestral curse breaking. You know, other times it's, you know, just being the best self that you can be because it benefits the whole collective. Others, you know, how do, what do you, what do you think we as the self as an individual can best do in order to start creating these, these steps, these improvements of self evolutions as it is? Going back to basics, and I say that because the working tools of the first degree are absolutely splendid with teaching balance, especially when we look at the 24 inch gauge. And I, I think that once we begin to become, we, we sit, we, we settle back down into a balanced movement in a specific spot, it will automatically dimensionally create that movement of other various uh, spaces that are there again, Time is a, is a, is a, is a made-up concept uh, to help us understand uh, the span of now versus when. That's what time does, right? The, the measurement of a moment is literally the time it takes you to blink your eye. So in the blink of an eye is the definition of a moment. When you center yourself in your circle and you become balanced, you become all those things that you were and you are, and you presently can be at once. So that's a movement, a dimensional shift that you can make and go to when it's time to, but it all starts with being balanced. If you're too far left or too far right, that's going to move your balance to a different spot and your circle's gonna follow that. So you become that point within a circle again or the center of the universe, but you might be a little bit off balance or that will have a different trajectory of your experience of balance at that point. Hopefully mm. I've made a little bit of sense. Mm. No, <laughs> I, I, I'm stirring deep in the esoteric soup. So no, again, some of the freakiest shit happens on these in these calls. Every single time I get to have one of them, like in this series, it's like adding pieces to a puzzle I didn't know I was solving. And I'm like, whoa, okay. So what you've tipped off tonight for me, which has really been on my head a lot, it's even content for our unfiltered teaching group is i want to talk about time travel oh yes um, let's do that i love i love time travel so much the, the theories the theoretical the applicable the practical all of them and you know, if would you be free tonight at midnight mountain standard that would be 11 my time yes sir i'm not going to say no i'm not going to say no i uh 
I've been I've been getting back into the gym a lot lately. So I've been right. trying to get sleep. Now I'm I, I don't do well with sleep. <laughs> so <laughs> God, I get if you that. send me a link, there's a good chance you'll see me hop on. <laughs> okay. But I'll tell you what, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna start and just be in general conversation, which will be I'll record it on one end live on uh on TikTok, not for interaction purposes, but for like visualization kind of engagement purposes. You ping me on on the TikToks if you're available in that space. If I happen to be on it, I'll, I'll message you directly. Okay. I, you've hit some of the big marks for me when it comes to the concepts of time travel. And I, I would really like, if nothing else, let's, let's make it a mission. We're going to start asking the question, well, how do we, how do we time travel? And by the end of it, I, I bet you we can come up with an answer. Well, here's the question. Here's the answer to that right now. You already are. Okay. That's that. How do we time travel? We already are. If, if you if you literally take yourself, slow your heart rate down a little bit, and and again, you have you have to focus and, and bring yourself to the point of balance and understanding that right now is the precipice of everything. This is it's it's the yesterday, it's today, and it's tomorrow. Right now is, and every decision that you make right now is history, as well as the future. So now is your time travel. Okay, so let's talk about so how about how engagement with the past, engagement with the future, moments of intersection between these with because they say that all moments, all reality are occurring at one point, right? So if this point is merely determined by my focuses, by the sensory stimuli being fed virtually into a brain, right? You know, there's there's input which goes into my console that determines what I get in the output. So if I alter that input. How do I alter it in such a way where I'm able to create communion, connection, engagement, fellowship between the past, the present, and the future, between harmony, between the conductor, the audience, all of the players, and even the composer, right? That, that, that becomes being the observer as well. You have to you have to figure out how to become the observer also. So yeah, so this a hundred percent, right? When we look at when we look at the you know varying traditions, however they classify the observer, this state. How do we get there? Step back, whatever that may be, unplug to to enter into a point in time where when it comes to time travel, where we're physically able to move fluidly through it in a very physical way. Right. So you, we know this reality physically yeah. in, in such a space that it is you know constraining, defining, condemning to many. Time travel and engagement, you see people talk, it's like astral projection and mental blank, and they always limit it. They're like, oh, it's the mind. You know, it's this thing here. I'm like, okay, right. I agree with you. It is. But there's a point where you make the experience not just here. It's yes, more. Absolutely. Get there? So when I was a kid, right, uh, again, I blessed and cursed to, to be a preacher's kid uh, because there, there was always, <laughs> there was always uh, utterances happening, or, or not simply utterances, but meditations, which means that there are always different dimensions, different frequencies, different interactions happening inside the house, right? So, I would be attracted to these things as a kid when I didn't have as many distractions as I do as an adult, right? And what I would do when I was a kid, I would interact with these different beings, these different objects. Some, some of them I was definitely and horribly afraid of because they were just as real as you and I are real. And others, I, I simply knew and felt a movement of love, connection, and being okay with them. Now, 
I would get to a point when I was a kid to where I would understand that this space that I am in right now isn't real and I want to leave it. And I would start the bouncing movement, right, within myself. And I would bounce long enough to where I would jump out of my skin. And I could interact with, not just observe myself, but again, begin to even interact with even more things that were in my room. And then I, I would snap out of it. My, my body would be tingly and cold mm. and I come to myself and then I go to sleep. And then and yeah, I used to play with that. Point in time, it's like, fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I, I used to, I, I used to be able to play with that. But again, I had, I didn't have as many distractions. I didn't have bills. I didn't have other lives that I was in charge of. I, uh, oh. I didn't have to make these decisions as a quote unquote adult, right? Video games didn't, weren't a big thing for me at that point. Right. And all these other distractions that have crept into these different corners of my mind that have become conscious yet unconscious things that are taking up that space. I didn't have that yet. So I was able to do it a lot easier. Okay. So this is, oh, I've got a fun, I've got a fun challenge, fun series of questions for you on this one. Yeah. All right. Okay. So uh, we're going to break into a few things. Uh, so one, you, we're going to set a figurative figurative for everybody who it needs to be figurative for within all creation you've woken up and are now positioned as a grand divinity you are a keeper entrusted to a room officers keepers of many things maybe even positioned proverbially in the east of a grand lodge over some aspect of all humanity all creation all existence where is that and who are you within it oh wow where is that? So I often have an idea uh, that, you know, the, the gases in the Milky Way, when they begin to turn different colors, so on and so forth. Uh, here's a better description of it. There's a, a song that Kendrick Lamar has with uh, uh, Sism. Uh, and in it, there's a part where it looks like she's in a room full of stars and the galaxy just hanging out and that's where she's singing. And I often imagine myself uh, being there, right? And, and filling that space and not just being by myself uh, because I think that would, be, that, that would be a selfish thing to be by myself in the midst of the beauty and the splendor of the, of the, of the creator and the galaxy. I'm with all of my loved ones. I'm with all of my brothers. I'm with my, my younger sister that, that I lost a few years ago. I'm with my older sister, my nieces, uh, all these great connections, my great grandfather, my grandfather, my great grandfather, the people that I would think and I hope end up getting it or understanding it in a very similar way that I do. Because the, the movement at the end of the day, the whole movement always comes out to be, and it has to be that of love. And that's what I'm with. That's who I'm with. Okay. So that's where you are. Now you're playing. So you're playing an instrument. What does this song do for creation? What is it? What is it? What is it to creation? The song? Yes. So, you know, you're, you're positioned on a grand stage in this place oh. in the stars between with creator and creation. What are you playing? What instrument? I'd be singing, actually. Okay. I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd be playing my 
my mouth, man. I'd be singing. What uh, song, if you could describe it, what would the song mean to you? A song of healing and love. Uh, I don't like there. There are certain songs that you hear that that will that send goosebumps over your body. Yanni has a song called uh, uh, "The Last Moment," and I, I I used to listen to it when I was younger on repeat because of the way the vibe. Alin creeps in and fills a space that the that the notes on the piano that the notes on the piano might miss, which is funny because the the piano part in that song is continuously running, right? It's 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 a scale that that never ends, but there's a space that can only be filled by a violin, and it just it's perfect. It's a movement, and it just it it fills me up, and I absolutely love that song until the last moment by by Yanni, and it's done live at the Acropolis. And that would be something that I'd love to sing or or try and recreate that feeling. That that energy behind it. Honestly, I love it. Even in um, uh, ancient texts, they talk about it's like they call it goose flesh, um, as being a physical sign of when the spirit or the energy or the presence of the divinity was uh, was there. You know, songs and energy. You know, things that have that energy. Okay, so what would you be then? Let's look at like a traditional form. Are there any known uh, like godhead personality archetypes that you particularly feel like encapsulate this role or this form? Uh, well, that's that's hard to answer because I I feel that we are all a reflection of God. We are all a reflection of divinity, our uh, and deity within with within ourselves. So. That's who I would be interacting with, you know, because that's what I feel understands it. It's that inner part of us that, again, is attracted to the other, that sees each other. That's what I try to speak to, like we were talking before. Uh, that's why I'm, I'm pretty intentional with, with the words that I say, because I'm trying to speak to that deity. Okay, so how would we name that deity? And I, and I mean this in the sense that, well, we can, we can establish two things. One, that this deity is one whole thing it is a grand collective but if i were to ask you to describe everything with a singular word you couldn't or if you no. could it would be a, you know again an analogy or symbol or this connected thing not yet something that would be utterable T typical of the ineffable name of god mm -hmm. so we use micro and faceted forms faceted it's, it's easy it's an easy uh, form you know god is one whole crystal all creation perfectly being um, the gods, these godheads, these personalities, the Krishnas, Jesus, all of them, and they, as the, they are fractals. They are parcels importance of this consciousness, which represent a whole plane. You know, it represents a much larger, even face across this thing, which could be classified as not separate from the whole, but distinct for a larger portion, right? Yeah. So how would you name the part of that facet that this divinity that we've discussed, this, this event <laughs> would be? How would I name that? Oh, wow. Uh, I'm trying to think of the Greek word characteristic of the love that we're describing. Um, because it's, it's, it's an all-consuming descriptive thing. I don't want to just simply say eros or agape or philios. Because uh, that doesn't do it justice as as deep as I would love to get with that. Um, wow, I I don't know what I would name the entity. 
the parent of, of what, because that's what it sounds like you, you described. I, I don't know how to directly name that thing outside of love. Okay. So what I would be fantastically curious to see, even if, in, uh, you know, if we round back to it in, in, in future conversations, you know, names are very important. If we even take yes. this as a connected, a connected analogy that is not bound by obligational secrecy. Um, we, we can look to say that the first challenge that God gave Adam was to name everything because this is a distinction even with cells there's a cell wall which separates it which gives its form its order its name the ability to be ordered by being separate yes. so as we find these distinctions in high magic in ceremony even in you know, the purpose oftentimes is an altered state of consciousness which is facilitated by communion with these facets right because you talk about you mentioned two words that i've keyed into um, these are like my my symbols for you one of them is movement yes uh this is this is very powerful this is a very powerful thing the other is um well i guess when we look at love right so movement and love movement of love and connection into the these these states by having the name, by having the form, just like we know a brother, we have a mode and a system of recognition. Within ourselves, we have modes of recognition to know which systems, which parts of ourselves are moving, operating, oftentimes in need of attention. I would be very curious to see how it would be possible to engage and to continue to facilitate the relationship with discovering this name and what yeah. that means to the individual for their practice. Absolutely. I, I'm with that. I, I dig it. And I will, uh, as a foundation, I will take those two words, uh, movement and love, and see where they will take me and what I can I can discover out of them. Because, yeah, I, 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 use, I will actually use love and movement almost interchangeably uh, because love is actually an, an expression a specific type of thing that we can actually understand as a movement and it's shared between different people. It's an action, right? And, and movement is simply the physical observable uh, thing that we can understand as an approach to or a, a, a approach away from, a regression of, as it were. So even with time being a dimension which contains the movement of the love. So it's like, you know, like they're almost like you've got two coins and then the air being fit it's being flipped through, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Because I, I absolutely agree that giving that thing a name, it absolutely helps you commune with and identify uh it as you call on, as you call on it. And I know the uh Kabbalion describes it as the all. But I don't want to simply take away from that and use that as the descriptive thing. It is not as personal as if I gave it a name. It's not. It's okay. So let's look at the Kabbalion. And let me, because I love, I, I love that you have familiarity with that. Um, so we take the Kabbalion, right? And the Kabbalion is a recapitulation of the teachings of one master who, and, you know, basically these were these seven perfect ashlars, these seven perfect truths. Um, now, if you've read the Emerald Tablets, which is that master's writings, then and then you read the Kabbalion, you're like, okay, they definitely cliff noted it a little bit. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they they definitely not. I'm not gonna say cut some things out, but they they made it. They focused it a lot, right? And they mm -hmm. took what they could get from it. But there's a very large difference between the adepts and where they went and what they did with the the Cabellion versus Thoth and where he went and what he did. And when you look at his two stories, similar as it is within the Hiramic legend of what the works and the beauties that. Hiram Abiff was able to create yes. as he possessed the secret, the word, uh, versus those three ruffians who attempted to do their best. It's interesting, the analogy, right? You know, it's like if mercy had been shown and on another day, they, they were not found uh, so buried. It would be very interesting to consider what story would they tell if they Indeed. were banished. What would they tell? What would they attempt to do? Especially because the thing is, we defend against cl the clandestine, mm -hmm. against the cow and against the eavesdroppers. You know, we have very, you know, you know, virulence, like, stay the fuck away. And yeah, uh, yeah. it's interesting. It's like, you know, it's like, you know, maybe like at one point in time, we sent some fuckers off with some shit. Maybe they shouldn't have. And we need to be careful. <laughs> because, like, well, I mean, I, I think that they would they would paint the story in the, as the in, the in the aspect of term of the victors, the liberators of that secret that these masters were trying to keep and hide and we were able to infiltrate that and by sheer by the grace of god by victory we we liberated that and we shared it amongst the people and that's that's our story at this point i have thought about that like what if these guys got that because what if they were able to to break know, break them down it's just it's interesting Right. It was especially because when we just, if nothing else, we just have a little fun building a head cannon around it. I think that the ideology that because mercy is pervading, right? You know, beyond even in the space that if nothing else, our penalties have always been symbolic. Well, if that's always been the case, right? They were always symbolic. What someone could do to pervert and 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 effectively take advantage of that mercy yes. could be profound. Right, and thus the need that why why we've gone under so many auspices. So many people will say, you know, it's a it's a fraternity within a fraternity, and I I don't really disagree with that. I really don't, especially if you've ever looked at the logs of a lodge, and then you look at who shows up. Yeah, absolutely. these are different groups of people. <laughs> yes, you know, the faithful few in comparison to to, to the many, right? But yeah. it's the sorry, I'm gonna I'm gonna shut up. Hit, hit it, my bad. No, no, I, 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 I agree, and and it's no, no blight against the other brothers who, uh, who who appeal, who have, who are attracted to a different appeal to the lives. Like I'm, I'm very much so willing to drive two hours one way to sit at a stated meeting because it's the first stated meeting of the year, and the the only real thing that outside of doing the business of the lodge. I enjoyed so much was the sense of being home while we conducted business. Sitting, sitting in the West with, with my brother, the senior warden, and just hanging out, listening to what's going on and laughing at everybody as we all plunder our way through our lines again, because it's a, we haven't sat in lines and done this so long. And we're all like, holy cow, we got to yeah, get better at this. This is, yeah. <laughs> It says, but I felt home. I felt home. I, I love that. Fucking hell, I love that. So that space, that vibe, that big dick energy, that is the shit that makes me fraternally 
please. I like I remember riding my bike to lodge and it's always a full moon damn near whenever our lodge meets. So there's this running engagement. It's like, I swear sometimes I can look over, I'll, I'll ride my bike. I was riding my bicycle while we didn't have a car. And I never had an issue with it because lodge is lodge. And there's some men, especially in, you know, out here in Wild West, uh, you know, there's a lot of colonialism um, yeah. and, and, and cowboy, cowboy frontierism behind lodges. And so you got guys who they only met at the full moon, so they got to have enough fucking light to see, to ride their yeah. horse through the dark the night before to get to lodge and ride the night back. Yeah. Like they needed that. And so like, I'll be like, I'll ride my bike because my, my forefathers did so fucking much to be in lodge you you get in touch with that energy and it changes your experience yeah you yeah i, I agree it, it becomes a, a very important intimate important type of space that you you move into and yeah i'll, I'll drive two hours just to go listen to a a botched uh stated meeting because it's the first one we've had in, but going on three years now i love that and we'll all laugh about it We'll all laugh about it, and, and, but it's just such an important thing. I, I, I literally, I really felt compelled to commit myself to being at large last night, regardless of what else was going on in the world. And I just, I just had to be there, and I was there, and I attended, hugged my brothers, uh, which is something that I absolutely learned how to love and appreciate the physical contact that we're able to share with each other uh, as men. That generally i wouldn't have done uh just growing up that wasn't something that we often expressed but being able to do that getting comfortable with it and then looking forward to doing that and sharing that every time we interact you know so and i could i could go on for days about that but i mean <laughs> shit. that's what i'm all about right i love what this is what i call in certain spaces you can see you describe it like the fraternal goodbye the amount of times i'm like i will message my wife and she knows now right there's two goodbye texts there's the one where i'm i'm leaving the building like yeah, all right it's, you know it's in a lodge we're heading out and then there's the other one which comes 15 to 20 minutes later as yes. i've gotten in the car and i'm actually leaving because i finally quit shooting the shit or talking to my brethren as we made like five progressive steps <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Like we've, I was at another brother's house uh, a few days ago and he was, he's actually the brother that, uh, that went into the clandestine lives with me and we were literally tied together. Um, but I, I, I was telling them, telling him and his wife about, uh, my failed marriage. And I was telling, telling Drea, his wife, uh, cause I'm sure he told her a very similar story. We'd be at large. We'd be the last two at Lodge. Everybody's gone. 11.30, midnight. And every every 10, 15 minutes, we'd look and be like, all right, bro, all right, bro, I got to let you go. I got to let you go. Oh, my man, did you remember, you know? Yeah, you know what? I was looking, I was reading this last night and, and yada, 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 yada. And then I was looking at the number three and I went and figured out some stuff. And I was like, oh, wow, this is crazy. And then I was going through my day and I had my book and I just started reading. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, it is my fucking favorite. It is the thing where it's like, this is where it's like, no, I love the 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 mental image of like the gentleman in fluffy bathrobes and these Victorian wooden chairs in <laughs> front of a fireplace with books. Just, because while it may not appear like that, the reality is that is what would happen if there were facilities and like cultural context for it to be yes. okay. Like if my if my wife was cool with me just spending an entire fucking day at Lodge, bet. 
8 a.m. I would be back probably 12 a.m. The following space, finding yeah. something to do. Like if I, it's just, it's this, there's a weird drive sometimes. Yeah. It's, it's, there's a music about it that is, is unending and it's never changing and it's always on pace. Always on pace. So okay. it's. So let's, let's. All right, so this is kind of this is the next part of this uh, these these critical series right. of questions. Um, all right, so one, how how comfortable are you with the great outdoors? With who? The great outdoors. The great outdoors. Yeah, do you camp often? Yes, I absolutely love the great outdoors. I love being outside. I love hunting. I love fishing. I love camping. Yes, all of that shit. Okay, all right. So the following, uh, I'll be I'll be upfront with 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 you, good boy. Especially in the space of the charity being the the forefront of many things. Um, we're gonna we're we're about to 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 enjoy in some mutual rubbing of a lamp together. And as the genie floats out, there will always be a requirement at the end. And for these particular spaces, uh, the requirement happens to be seven days with me and my family as we are. Uh, roaming gypsies so to speak we'll be camping and traveling i mean you know as being a part of the masonic movie this is you know the ability one of the abilities which allows us to do it but with these seven days we you know we, to be honest we'll just we can't that, that's the easiest way to describe it is it's just camping but in it that is where the work the effort the the, the payload comes that we're able to create and facilitate these three wishes into manifested form this is when the genie gets his giggles. So to you, there is now three wishes. What are those three wishes? Three wishes. That's that's interesting. And I've never I've never thought about having three wishes. Now that you say that, uh, I've I've always simply tried to make things happen. Uh, three wishes. My first wish is um, it's a bit sentimental, but my first wish is to be able to hang out and play with my younger sister again, like when we were kids. We would be outside day in, day out. We we were kids. We had a ninja club, <laughs> you know, climb trees, run through creeks, uh, so on and so forth. That that would that would be my first wish. Uh, my second wish would be that our kids were able to enjoy that as well. And, and be there. And my third wish is that my oldest sister would be there with us so we could, again, be kids. There's nothing freer than being a child uh, with no expectations of what the rest of the day is going to bring outside of eating, sleeping, and shitting. <laughs> hey, fucking man. I'm gonna be real with you, that's that. So one, the, I mean, done. Some other day. All right, so that's done. That, that that's done. So 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 pendant, right? This experience is a unique one, uh, and one that, like, well, I'm finally skilled and able to do this. I don't have to call in help. I'm like, oh shit! It's like you know, you're in Lowe's and you ask for some wood. Ha. Okay, I can do that. Um, yes. So what I get really excited about in this space is one, anytime, you know, I mean, shit, you like, it's a little difficult sometimes to entice my, my, my good brothers out into the woods. Um, 
but the ability to to enter back into this space if you're familiar and comfortable well then bet you know i just I, i'll just need seven days free from you so you look throughout your schedule this has to happen sometime within 2022 uh we'll be making a northwestern tour here soon uh soon being operative and likewise you'll get the dates yeah, let me know. But we will, and if you have that, if you have that space and availability within the with within that opportunity, and likewise, if you don't, let me know. We can arrange travel, and I can fly you out. We can get you to a space where, if needed, we can have this. Because I'll be honest, I'm a I'm a ritualistic motherfucker, uh, and there, there there's some things to get to this point. But to yeah. just be able to spend time with family and be outside, be in what what is the homeland, this has power. power. Yes, absolutely. I. A buddy of mine and I, we were talking some years ago and probably 2014 when I first moved to California, 2015. And we were just filling each other out, trying to figure out what kind of guys we are. And he was like, you know, sometimes I, I go outside in my backyard and I stand in the, in the, in the dirt uh, with no shoes on. And I was like, I miss that in my life, being grounded. That is literally being grounded, soaking that in, allowing that to come and rush through you just just feeling that going through the motion uh becoming in tune essentially and it's it's similar to uh the the day of that one minute that the bible mentions without all the sacrifice but you're simply becoming one with with nature with life with with the ground grounding yourself and understanding and feeling these rhythms of, 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 of movement, the heartbeat, the soul, uh, looking, feeling the light from eons ago that made manifest through the stars, that same stardust that you're made from, just letting that wash over you and fall over you and just absor absorbing that, being that, being that. I love it. Absolutely love it. Fucking hell, this is going to be fantastic. So, <laughs> I mean, I just like, I, I, because I, I just, I, that, that was a visual trip, right? Yeah. When you've got an incredibly serenading voice. I'm very talented, very grateful to just listen. Uh, very SMR. When I, but with the visual experience of that is, I'm like, well, fuck, that, that's the very thing that I think many people need to remember and get back <laughs> to. That's the reason what we've looked at, like, what we yeah. want to model for our kids, why we want to be gypsies. Like what is what this means? What that if you like we we look at like the Native American view of life, yes, of how you live and why you live this way, even within grander scales of how you view nature, right? Within within Freemasonry, we know that we're taught in the second degree. There's important things to learn within the liberal liberal arts and sciences. Oh, yes, critical for us Absolutely. to get the world around us. Yeah, even even with. What governs our lodge, the sun and the moon, when we look at how these forces govern us and us, like, I feel like it's important for us to live by them, not to live in an eight hour cycle by the, the city's day. Yes. Right? This yeah. day is not a real day. Yeah, it is. It, it's, it's synthetic. But yeah. when you live, I mean, you, okay, so you've been camping, right? What time do you wake up in the morning? Uh, I, I wake up and it's a funny thing. And, and it's happened all my life. So uh, one of one of the greatest people I've ever had in my life, and, and he, he's passed on, was, was my grandfather. And again, he lived out in the country, and that's where I spent a lot of time in the country. And uh, we would often get up, uh, essentially, when the rooster crowed, which was before uh, or during a movement of sunlight. But it was a natural response for my body to begin to rise 
at a specific time of the day when everything was waking up. When, when, when the grass stopped withering, when the dew began to rise. And if you notice that at that same time of day, the death of the night is being moved away. It gets colder before it begins to warm back up. Yes, it fucking does. <laughs> yes, it fucking does. So I've always been a I've always been an early riser. Uh and, and I've all just I think that I've always gotten up with the movement of life. And I feel like you can't have that movement of life when you live in the, when you live in a box, right? And don't get yeah. me wrong. This is very soapboxy of me. This is very much like those reasons. And you can get real conspiracy theory and shit about, I think it's, it's as simple as we are natural people, human things. And we live in societies which are not natural, which are not congruent to the fluidity of life, Right. You can have, I could drop something in one of these environments, right? It could be concrete, could be something. And it does, it, it will, it, its energy is lost, so to speak, on, it, on, on, a, on, a, on a fair level of exchange because it wasn't within a natural cycle. The leaf withers and, and dies in a concrete garage and turns to dust. Well, then it only feeds the tiniest of mites that are found there, the basest level of life, which supports that space. But when a leaf falls outside, it is found as food and fetter to things that are more animate, that are more, you know, always, again, always fed. But man, a, li- a life that is munched by a caterpillar turns it into the butterfly, right? What? Like, like, fuck, I'm going to appreciate that more than, oh, look, the leaf that was here when my grandfather left it is finally gone. You know, I, I would like to be able to see and experience that change today. Mm. So I've, I've often, I was, it's funny because this is just, reminded me of, of discussions that I've had with, with uh, Brethren at my lodge. And it, again, it, it always go, goes back to my grandfather. He, he was a huge influence in my life. And just simply remembering a lot of the things that he taught me in nature. Now, what I, what I told a lot of my brothers is my biggest teacher and connection to deity and, or God or the creator, the grand architect, was learned through being in nature and understanding the purpose of a tree and understanding the purpose of the grass that I'm walking on and understanding how to garden and why I need to treat the soil respectfully because it's producing something that I'm going to ingest. And that same thing that I'm putting in my body is going to come out in a specific manner in multiple different fashions. It's that that continuation, that cycle of energy that's not broken. If you do, if you're planting uh, crops with those good intentions, with that that goodwill, that movement of love, that heart, and you're doing it, you're singing through it. You're 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 watering, you're taught, you're, you're tilling the soil, you're turning things over, and you're doing that with with energy, and you're doing it with intention, and you eat that that food that you've grown and you feed yourself the same thing that you fed the earth. These things are real, they're so real to me. So I've learned more by communing with nature than what I ever did by sitting in a church. And I feel like when we look at the encouragements behind what it means to 
green shit, you can even look at the symbology behind the pillars, where we even modeled our concepts of architecture from. This is nature at its root, right? Any, any sense of ritualism, any sense of self, it has to do with what are you, what are the grandest things that you're connected to, right? And I could, when you talked about your friend sticking his feet in the earth, yes. and I, 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 can, I remember and can visibly see and feel that sense of growing down. And it's funny, as you, as you grow down, you grow up. It's uses this full experience and okay so i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna go i'm gonna we we gotta gotta hold it because otherwise this crazy train is gonna take us it'll take us to to a degree that i don't know we'll be able to wrap up what we'll do in this case is we're going to pause these sexual conversations of intellectual and spiritual tantric nature and we're going to wrap it up to one singular point one singular singular because these wishes doable done we're going to talk more about that your divinity your keeper of the lyre your musician and knower of the song of the heart and the rhythm and melody of god i think is very powerful within your mythos within your head canon and i'm excited to see that unfold yeah if you you were facing a moment where the past the present and the future intersected and bent around themselves you were the point in the center right now you were talking to you then at the greatest point of struggle and strife in your life and forward at the inevitable point of conclusion what would you say to them it's all worth it that's so sexy (laughs) what a fucking answer it's all worth it 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 honest it's all worth it I went through a horrible divorce. It took me three years to get divorced. And probably the lowest point in my life as a man, uh, especially with four kids. And I look at what's happening to me to, today and, and I look at me being able to interact with you. It's all worth it. It was all worth it. Cause it all leads up to this point. And this, I, I'm, I'm, what I've learned, what I'm learning how to do and what I'm teaching myself how to do and what I'm remembering how to do and what I really feel I need to do is literally enjoy every moment that I'm here and learn how to express that and share that so somebody else can enjoy every moment that we're here. It's all worth it. We can go through it all. We can go through the worst we can be tattered by the ocean, the winds, the storms. We can go through that. On the other side, if we've decided and we've made the choice to continue to push forward and we end up where we are, it's all worth it. Oh. Ladies and gentlemen, brethren of the craft, those initiates, candidate, and curious parties, these are the words and fellows of fraternal brethren and family. And in such a point, take them for what they are with a grain of salt and hopefully a good shot of tequila. But let them <laughs> oh, with a good time. Down. see, <laughs> you know, way to do it. Right? <laughs> that, my brother, be well, be blessed. Thank you so much for this time. And trust me, listen, I will see you in not fucking long. We're going to continue this conversation if at all yeah. I can continue it. Yeah, brother, I, I, I definitely appreciate you giving me the space and uh, the the platform, the ability to to speak. Uh, 
I, I again, I, I, I put a lot of emphasis and I take a lot of things from words and listen to people speaking. And I, I, I do my best to literally hear what folks are doing and what people are saying. And I hope people do the same with me. So whenever that opportunity presents itself and I'm given an opportunity to do it, I take it and I do my best not to pervert it. So thank you. It is an honor and it is a privilege, you know, this series and capturing these blocks is it's important. And I think this is a, a thank you for allowing us to add it to our legacy, this space. Cause I don't know. Yeah. We don't know what the craft will look like, but if we can capture to a point that if somebody who has questions, anybody can have, feel like they have an answer. Let's, let's let it be answered. It'd be well with that. Farewell, my brother. Good night. Farewell. Good night.